Good evening and welcome to our study of the book of Zechariah. We are looking forward to looking at Zechariah chapter 4 tonight. So would you turn with me to Zechariah chapter 4. In Zechariah, like in so many Old Testament books, and we also find this in the New Testament, particularly in the Gospels, but we also find it throughout the rest of the New Testament, that the Lord speaks to us in types and shadows and pictures. Uh, The Lord himself referred to himself as being bread and water, a door, a shepherd, a lamb, and many other types like that. And we find the Holy Spirit used these metaphors, these types, these pictures, and these shadows throughout all the Old Testament the sacrifices that took place under Moses, under Aaron in the Old Testament, the sacrifice of Noah, the sacrifice of Abel, the sacrifice of Abraham, all of these were pictures of our Savior, the Lord Jesus, and that redemption could not be had except by the shed blood of the Lamb of God. To the unbeliever, these pictures are generally taken literally. As we go through the Old Testament in particular, in the in the uh, The prophets, we have much said about uh, the throne of David. We have much said about the new temple going to be built. And unbelievers just go after that uh, and say, look, we're going to have to have a new temple built over in the Middle East. Look at this. We're going to look for Jesus to be sitting on a literal throne of David. And they can't get past that because... The scriptures are spiritually discerned, and if they don't have the Spirit of God, they're not going to see those rich blessings. The church is throughout the Old Testament. We're going to see people called out of bondage, called out of darkness to his marvelous light throughout the Old Testament. Any that lived by faith, any that had faith, uh, the just shall live by faith, is what we read. Any of those, the Lord had to work on them just like he does in this era, in this gospel time. And that is the gospel must be preached and the gospel must be preached and it must be uh, revealed uh, effectually to those that belong to God in the covenant of grace. And uh, there's no exception to this there's no exception to this uh, uh, word that we find with regard to salvation. So the church has always been. It's part of the covenant of grace. It didn't start on the day of Pentecost. It didn't start during the Lord's public ministry. But it started in the covenant of grace and has been brought out throughout the Old Testament. The assembly of the saints. Abraham believed God. Moses believed God. Noah believed God. Abel believed God. These folks all are part of that great, wonderful group that assemble at the feet of the Lord Jesus. Now, the Holy Spirit uses these metaphors and these types and these pictures and these shadows throughout the Old Testament to reveal unto us the glory of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, as being the Savior of his people. He is the fulfillment of Joshua. He is the second Joshua. He's the fulfillment of David. He's the second David. He's the fulfillment of Adam. He's the second Adam. So we look to him for the fulfillment of all of these things. Uh, To the church, we're looking for the blessings of our Savior in all these Old Testament types, shadows, pictures, similitudes. 
We're looking for the Savior. Where is he pictured? And, and what is he pictured in this picture? And it's such rich blessings to go there and see these things as they're revealed by the Holy Spirit. And also, where am I pictured in the Old Testament as it speaks of believers? My grandmother had several large boxes, candy boxes, and they're filled with family pictures. And I was most interested in seeing my grandmother or my grandfather in those pictures, or my mother, or my dad, or my uncles. I wanted to see them in those pictures. The rest of the people, it didn't mean much. But we wanted, we're looking for the pictures of Christ, and there are just so many here in the Old Testament. We're going to be looking here in Zechariah chapter 4 tonight. And in Zechariah chapter 4, we have some more beautiful pictures of the great work of God, the work of the Holy Spirit and redemption. And we find that all of these things are provided by the Lord. Uh, In fact, we read there that uh, this revelation, this whole revelation here is brought about so that it might be shown that it's not by power, it's... uh, not, not by might or not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. This is the way it is throughout the scriptures. It's not by our power. It's not by your intelligence. It's not by our knowledge, but it's by the power of God. It's my spirit, saith the Lord. It's him that worketh in us to do those things that are pleasing to God. We don't have the ability on our own. Well, let's back up here to verse 1 of Zechariah chapter 4, and it says, The angel that talked with me came again and waked me as a man that is awakened out of his sleep. Now, this angel, it's translated a number of ways. It doesn't always mean an angel angel, but it means a messenger. Now, what God used here, he used a messenger, he used a messenger of grace. He used a messenger to come to Zechariah. And it tells us in that passage of scripture that uh, uh, this angel, this messenger that talked with me, came again and waked me. Now, we find that uh, this same person had appeared into, in, uh, earlier in Zechariah, the same being, the same messenger had appeared unto him. And now it's again that it happens. And it tells us in that verse of scripture, he waked me as a man that is awakened out of his sleep. Now this verse of scripture here reminds me of the verse of scripture found in the book of Zechariah chapter 1 and verse 1 when we first opened this book up to our study. And I have to admit, this is the first time I've ever gone through the book of Zechariah. I've read it, but you know, uh, reading it for just reading its sake, we miss so much. But here to look at it and see the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the true branch, the true lamb, the, the true sacrifice, the, the true hope of Israel, all of these things. We look there and we say that we're blessed in that. But here in Zechariah chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, In the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, came the word of the Lord unto Zechariah, the son of Berchiah, the son of Ido, the prophet, saying, Now, when we looked at that some time ago, we saw here that Zechariah realized that he is a man. There there is nothing, absolutely nothing special about his person except in Christ Jesus. He had never done anything that would attract God's attention. Many priests were assigned in the Old Testament, but they were never attracted God's attention as a priest. Now, the true priest... They were already 
known by God. They were known in the covenant of grace. A believing priest in the Old Testament was already known, and they were a, a person found in the the covenant of grace. They were purposed to be died for on the cross. They were purposed to be buried with Christ. They were purposed to be raised with Christ. They are special in that sense. But Zechariah was nothing special in his flesh. He shares with us as he writes this that I'm just the son of, I'm just the son of, and he could take and trace his line back to Adam, and he's the son of Adam. He has nothing in himself. He is a fallen creature in Adam. He is separated from God in Adam. He is dead in trespasses and sin in Adam. He has committed enough sin in his own life to send him to a devil's hell a million times. But we find that God has worked to work a grace in him, and he's been called out of darkness to his marvelous light. But he's just a son. He's just a son of Adam. There is nothing special. He wasn't born into this uh, priesthood or born into this uh, uh, position as being a prophet. By It didn't accomplish anything. There were sons of Aaron that denied the very grace of God that was being declared in those sacrifices. Then they offered strange fire. We can accomplish just as much as God can accomplish. And they offered strange fire, and they were consumed by God. So it isn't inherited in this manner. It is by birth. So Zechariah is just a man. Zechariah is only a man. He is a direct descendant of Adam. And as such, he would admit if God was his God, it was only and all by grace, and no human merit was taken into the consideration by God. Grace alone, grace alone. And when we go back to the book of Zechariah chapter 4, we find dropping down, and we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but there in verse 7, we have the last few words of that says, crying grace, grace unto it. Grace is the means that God uses in the Old Testament, and that's God's grace. God's grace, God's unmerited favor, and nothing in Zechariah attracted God to him. The, this word that we find in Zechariah chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, He wakened me. He, he waked me as a man that is wakened out of his sleep. Now, this word has been translated a number of ways in the Old Testament, but two are brought to my attention simply because on Sundays we've been going through the book of Ezra. So we're going to step back to the book of Ezra for just a moment, and this word is used twice in chapter 1. Very early on in the book of Ezra, chapter 1, we have these words recorded that Cyrus, this is uh, Cyrus the king of, of Persia, and Cyrus is is... If, if we looked at him from a historical standpoint, he is just a really honorary guy. Uh, people died just at his whim. But here in Ezra chapter 1 and verse 1, now in the first year of Cyrus king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, the king of Persia, and he made a proclamation throughout all the kingdom and put also in writing saying, he's going to let the children of of Judah and Benjamin go back to Jerusalem. 
to fulfill the word of the prophet Jeremiah, and we find that Cyrus would not have done that except for God's work in him. It says that he stirred up the spirit of Cyrus. He moved upon him. He awakened him in a capacity that he realized it was paramount that these people go back to Jerusalem. And it wasn't because Cyrus became religious or Cyrus adopted the religion of the Jews or any of that stuff. It was simply because God moved upon him. God told through Moses to Pharaoh, For this reason did I raise you up, that I might show my power in you. So that for this reason I have raised you up, that I might deliver those here in Babylonian captivity. These 70 years have been spent. It is time for them to go back to Jerusalem. And that's what happened. Well, in that same chapter, we find that word that was used to, to wake and wakened over in the book of Zechariah. In verse 5 of the same chapter, the only reason that the people that went back went back. They had been there in, in uh, perfect... You know, they had been servants. Uh, they didn't have this idea about going back. And yet we find here in Zechariah, excuse me, Ezra chapter 1 and verse 4, Ezra chapter 1 and verse 4, verse 5, Then rose up the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites with all whom whose spirit God had raised to go up to build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. The same word found here that was mentioned in Zechariah was to wake or, or awakened. Here it is. It's translated this way. The Levites, when all, with all them whose spirit God had raised up. So they left by invitation, God's invitation. They left because God moved upon them. They left to go back to Jerusalem and leave family and and all their responsibilities, maybe some of them own property. I don't know all about that, but I know this about human beings. If God does not move in us, we will not do God's bidding. God must do that, and we find that he often does that even before we're saved. He moves us to where the gospel is going to come, or he puts us in a position where someone who knows the gospel is going to come there and present the gospel, declare the gospel, preach the gospel, and that's how God saves his people. He brings them to the gospel, or the gospel is brought to them. Well, over here in the book of Zechariah, going again, uh, in reality, Ezra is like... Every believer, he has been awakened from a sleep, spiritual death, and is it is only the Spirit of God that does this. Well, we find that same thing with, with Zechariah. Let's go back to the book of Zechariah here. And in Zechariah chapter 4, we find here in verse 2, What seest thou? Verse 2, and he said unto me, the angel, the messenger, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick, and all the gold with the bowl upon the top of it, and seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes to the seven lamps which are upon the top thereof, and two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl, and the other upon the left side thereof. So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? What are these, my Lord? Well, we find that the, unless the Lord reveals these things now to, to believers, to the church, God is not angry when we say, 
Lord, what does this mean? What does this passage mean? What does this chapter mean? What, what, what is in this book that uh, glorifies you and presents you and declares you? What, what is there? Just as Zechariah said with this beautiful picture that is brought to him, these images that are brought to him, this vision that's brought to him, this dream that is brought to him, however you want to describe it, is a beautiful, beautiful picture that is brought here, and yet it is unrealized by Zechariah, the one that saw him or saw it. This is unrealized. And we know from the scriptures, Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 4 says, Yet the Lord hath not given you a heart to perceive and eyes to see and ears to hear unto this day. That's what Moses was told to tell the children of Israel. And that's why they were stiff-necked. And that's why they were hard-hearted. And that's why they couldn't obey. That's why they were not uh, in tune with God. That's why they wanted to go back to Egypt. That's why they loved the leeks and the onions. That's why they brought out various gods. That's why they cried. Uh, even they saw the miracles of water from the rock. They saw the open Red Sea. They saw all of these things. Manna. They saw... Uh, quail, they saw all of these things take place, and it didn't change a heart. And the same is true today. People say, if I saw a miracle, I believe. No, that's not true. We must see Christ. He must be revealed to us. And only God does that. In Ezekiel chapter 12 and verse 2, Son of man, thou dwellest in the midst of a rebellious house, which have eyes to see, and see not, and they have ears to hear, and hear not, for they are a rebellious house. So we by nature fall into that category. We by nature cannot see. We by nature cannot hear. We by nature cannot perceive. We're like the Old Testament Jews. We're like many of the New Testament Jews. The Pharisees cannot see past the end of our nose when it comes to spiritual things. And all those folks are depending upon their own righteousness to be uh, pleasing to God, to be presented to God, and that he would accept it. Well, he is not going to do that. He will not do that. Um, we find over in the book of Luke, would you turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 10? The book of Luke chapter 10. Over the book of Luke chapter 10, verses 23 and 24. Luke chapter 10, verses 23 and 24. And he turned him unto his disciples and said privately, this is the Lord speaking, Blessed are the eyes which see the things that you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. I'm reminded of the words of Peter and the response of the Lord. And I, I just go back here so often to the book of Matthew there, chapter 16, when the Lord asked Peter, Who do you say that I am? And we say, Well, that's so easy. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And oftentimes we stop right there and we don't go to the next verse and hear the Lord say, Flesh and blood did not reveal this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. We don't know that in our soul. We don't know that he is the Son of God. We don't know Christ, the Son of the living God, in the capacity that our soul knows it in regeneration. When it's revealed, when Christ is revealed to us, we take that as just historical value. Uh, we, 
uh, people just say, I know I believe in God. I know I believe in Jesus. Well, the Lord shared through one of his writers of the New Testament, the, the devils know that. That's no great thing. That's just knowing about the Lord. That's just knowing about God. But in regeneration, in the new birth, when God saves us by his grace, we find that we know him, not know about him. We know that the subject is Christ. We know that the importance is Christ, that he is the true issue of the scriptures. And so it was a wonderful thing that those disciples were given that information. And even in that, we find for those days that they spent with the Lord, there was much uh, doubt in their minds uh, about this. And yet the Lord said they knew all about it. Well, he's not going to beat them because they didn't know it, because it comes by revelation, every step of it. In the book of Isaiah, it says, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. And we, we can only see by sight that is given unto us. What a blessing it was for those Grecians to come to the disciples and say in John chapter 12 and verse 21, We, sir, we would see Jesus. Now that's a wonderful place to be. When we come to the Lord, we would see Jesus. It's not we would see prophecy, we would see history, we would see uh nonsense out of the Bible. Numerology. I know there's some importance about numerology, but that's not the issue. There's some importance about prophecy, but it it's not prophecy that's going to do things that God is so contrary to, that God is going to uh, uh, establish or re uh, uh, build a, a animal sacrifice system. My, that is such a, a slap in the very face of God and in Christ for his suffering on the cross. So we're not going to go there. That's out of the realm. It's out of our thought. So what seest thou? What Zacharias saw? What Zacharias said? And there in chapter, um, going back to the book of Zechariah, chapter 4, we notice here that what seest thou? Now, Zechariah has already admitted that he was in a sleep and that the angel this messenger came and waked him out of this out of this slumber he wakened out a man out of sleep as a man he waked me as a man that is awakened out of his sleep now we just want to go back to that for just a moment you know the lord jesus in his spirit today only spends time in certain cemeteries he only spends time in certain cemeteries I know that uh, cemetery there at Gettysburg, it's important to go, I went there one time and I was just overwhelmed by all of those uh, sites, those burial sites, and been to Normandy and overwhelmed by those. But you know, the ones that are important to me, not, not that I uh, belittle that at all, please don't think that, but the ones that are important to me is when I go to the home cemetery and see the, the grave of my grandfather or great-grandfather or great-great-grandmother or my dad or my brothers or, or my mother, that, those. Well, the Lord has cemeteries that he particularly visits, and those cemeteries 
are where his lost sheep are dead in trespasses and sin. They're not just sleeping. They're dead in trespasses and sin, just like everybody else. But he has purpose to visit these cemeteries. He has purpose to go to where these that are dead in trespasses and sin, that were purchased because of the covenant of grace, purchased by his shed blood, those who are written down in the Lamb's book of life, those who are graven upon the palms of his hand, he has purpose to visit these cemeteries. It's like the woman at the well. He must needs go to that cemetery. Here is a woman, dead in trespasses and sin, that has been written in the Lamb's book of life that he had purpose to die for before the foundation of the world, and that's why he went. He went there on purpose to raise a person out of death to newness of life. And that's where he went all through his ministry, and that's where the Spirit went through the Old Testament. He went to the cemeteries where the dead in trespasses and sin were buried, but they'd been marked out before the foundation of the world as those that belonged to him. He visited there. Now the general call goes out to the whole world, all the cemeteries. And I'm using that as a metaphor, aren't I? All the cemeteries, where all people are in their life, dead in trespasses and sin, The word goes out, but there's a call that is so general, and people just don't pay any attention to it. That's the call that we give. But the call that the Holy Spirit gives, that is effectual. And that is the, the, the call that is going to raise people out of their grave. Just like God raised that man out of the grave, that man that was dead four days that one. He went specifically to that graveyard, to that tomb. And so he does all the time. So Zechariah has been wakened out of what the sleep. But when it comes to a person that is dead in trespasses and sin, we are in a death sleep. <laughs> and nothing can raise us out of that. We are dead in trespasses and sin. Well, let's move on here. It tells us here in Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 5, 4, So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? What are these? And in verse 6, Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, Now, it's wonderful that when we go to the word of God, and we have a question about the word of God, that we are given an answer from the word of God, that we're given a pleasant answer from the word of God. We're we're revealed the word of God to us. What a blessing that is, that God would do that, that he would bring us to the place that we would ask the question, what is this? Or, as the Ethiopian eunuch said, what is this about? Is it about this man or some other man? The question was asked, do you understand? And he said, how could I understand except some man guide me, teach me? So we can do all the teaching. We can do all the preaching. And yet if it isn't pleasing to the Lord, if it was not uh, meant for that group, uh, there's nobody in that group that belongs to him, there's not going to be any effectual work. Now we're going to see from time to time those who the seed falls on stony ground, and for a season it looks like something has happened, but when trials come, 
tests come. They fall away. They just cannot endure to the end unless they are the Lord's himself. What seest thou? What Zechariah saw? Let's look here again. He said there in verses uh, 2 and 3, he said unto me, What seest thou? And I said, I looked, and behold a candlestick of gold, and a bowl upon the top of it, and his seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes to the seven lamps which are upon the top thereof, and two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl, and the other upon the left side of the bowl. So I answered and spake unto the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel that talked with me answered and said unto unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Now that is going to fill in much of what we've just seen in that. Everything that happened, everything that that Zechariah saw in that picture, and everything that's written down about what Zechariah saw in that picture, there are other types and shadows and pictures that share with us some of the things about that. And we'll look at that in our next lesson. But we want to say this about it. Nothing that was going on. There wasn't any oil flowing. There wasn't any fire. There wasn't any uh, lampstand. There wasn't any olive trees. There wasn't any uh, pipes. There was nothing there that was not there because of the grace of God. It was not because of men. It was not because of men's invention. We cannot create the fire. We cannot produce the oil. We cannot produce the trees. We cannot produce the lamps. We cannot produce the lampstands. We can't do any of that, spiritually speaking. Now, there was a lampstand similar to this in the tabernacle and later in the temple. That was made by men. But this lamp is not This lamp is of God, because Zechariah is given this information uh, by this one, by this um, messenger, by this angel that we find. It is not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. This is of my spirit. This this lamp is of the spirit. These olive trees are of the spirit. The olive oil, the oil there is of the spirit. The fire is of the Spirit. The supply of it is of the Spirit. So let's get this out of our mind, Zechariah, that any of this is produced by human effort. This is all blessings that are done by the Spirit. It's not by our preaching, and it's not by our might, and it's not by our power, and it's not by our oratory, and it's not by because we're so smart in the scriptures, and it's not because we know a lot of the word of God. I, I'm ashamed sometimes, when I, well, I'm ashamed all the time when I read the writings of old men, old preachers, and the time they spend in the word of God, and what they got to see there, and what they wrote about, and how they declared the glory of God in Christ Jesus. I'm ashamed when I read what they know, and yet I'm blessed when I read what they wrote. But even to them that knew so much, not a word was by their might 
or by their power, but by the Spirit of God. So if we have anything revealed to us, it is because of the Spirit of God, and not because we went to some seminary or Bible school or Sunday school or we sat under great preaching. Anything that is revealed to us, we must go back and say it is because the Spirit of God was pleased to reveal that to us. What do we read over in the book of Galatians? Turn over there with me for just a moment as we come to the close of tonight's study. Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. We read over here in Galatians chapter 1. It tells us as the Apostle Paul shares a little bit about himself. He says, Galatians chapter 1 verse 11. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. These pictures you see, Zechariah, are not after man. These are of the Spirit. For I neither received it of man, neither was taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. The gospel that the Apostle Paul had was not of men and not of man, but of the Spirit. And it was a revelation of Jesus Christ. For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion. Twice he mentions this, the Jews' religion. Above many my equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my father. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. In other words, he didn't go to some, somebody and say, do you think I'm saved or not? He didn't go to somebody and says, do you think God's work to work? He conferred not with flesh and blood. He, he went to the Spirit. And so, as we go back to the book of Zechariah in closing, we find there that all of these pictures, these types, these shadows, these metaphors, all the things that Zechariah got to see, this messenger wanted him to know assuredly, and that message is passed on to us, that anything in this picture is not of might, and it's not by human power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. The fire comes from God. The oil comes from God. The lampstands come from God. The church. All of these things come, come from God. The supply comes from God. The, we can't produce an ounce of olive oil. We just take what comes naturally, and we squeeze it out, and we use it. And that's what we find over here. Well, we thank you for joining us tonight. And we pray that as we go through the remainder of this book of Zechariah, it will be a blessing. I know it's a blessing to me to see these pictures and types and shadows of my Savior. And I'm thankful for the revelation of Jesus Christ.